Hello, I'm R.A. Spratt. I write and perform this podcast. If you'd like to support the show, I'm a children's author, so you can buy a book by me, or you can buy me a coffee by going to buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. It's an easy way to make a small thank you gift to the show so I can keep kicking this can down the road. The podcast directory you're using right now should have a link to my Buy Me A Coffee page in the show notes, or you can type it into your browser. That's buymeacoffee.com slash stories R.A. Spratt. All contributions are gratefully appreciated. Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, well, before we get into it today, I did just want to say that if you're interested in coming to the book launch for Friday Barnes 12 Collision Course, uh, I have finally decided where I'm going to have the book launch. And it's going to be in Bowerall, hosted by the bookshop Bowerall. Uh, so if you're within driving distance of Bowerall, um, please do come along. Uh, it's going to be on the 24th of February. Uh, the bookshop Bowerall is hosting it, so they'll sort out all the logistics. And when they have those details for me and how you can book tickets and things like that, um, I will put it all on my website and my Instagram and Facebook so you can get all the details there. And I'll put it um, in the show notes and things like that when I have all the details. So, yeah. That'd be awesome. Now, for all of you who can't easily come to Barrel, which I realize is the vast majority of you, uh, what I'm going to do for the launch of that book is, well, I'm going to read a chapter into the podcast. And what I'm going to do is when I do that, I'm going to live stream the recording. So you can uh, watch me uh, recording that episode and it'll be a whole chapter from the book. And after or maybe before I record it, I'll, I'll talk a bit about the book and I'll talk about the, the things that I would talk about at a book launch if you're able to come. So it'll be a bit of a online event if you're interested and it'll be uh, up there on my Instagram that you'll be able to look at through my fa- through my website and all that sort of thing. Okay. So that everyone can um, be on board with the, the launch for that book, which is coming up soon. And uh, if you're wondering about where I'll be touring later in the year, uh, basically, I don't know. I, I know I'm definitely doing the Christmas show in Sydney and Canberra. Everything else is sort of in a process of being uh, sorted out because I've got to find theatres and things like that. So I, I am trying to come to Perth for the launch of my next book. The Nanny Piggins origin story will be coming out sometime in the second half of the year. So um, I'm hoping to do a live podcast show in Perth for that. And beyond that, um, I haven't really got anything figured out yet, but I do tend to get invited to places and then I can tack events on. Like I'll be going to be at the Somerset Festival in the Gold Coast in March. So if you are coming to the Somerset Festival, come and say hello, come and get a book signed. All right. Well, that's it. Now let's get into this week's story. Um, I did go a bit bananas writing this one. Every week when I write the story, I tell myself I'm making too much work for myself. This podcast is just like my labor of love. It's not how I earn my income. I shouldn't be putting all my time into it. Just try and keep the story to 10 pages. And uh, I, I never managed to do that. This one has blown out to 21 pages. So um, we'll see how it goes. It might be that we have to split it in half and do it over two weeks. But uh, we'll see how we go. I don't like doing that. So if we can avoid it, I will. All right. So what we're doing this week uh, is it's another Greek myth. Uh, it's Hercules and the Golden Apples, as told by Nanny Piggins. Here we go. Children, today I'm going to tell you the story of Hercules and the Golden Apples, began Nanny Piggins. Are we going to eat apple pie while you tell us the story, asked Derek. 
Or apple turnovers, asked Michael. I love your apple turnovers. Or apple and cinnamon cake, asked Samantha. That's good too. No, of course not, said Nanny Pickens. Why on earth would we do any of that? Well, you said it's a story about apples, and normally you insist on having story-specific snacks to eat while we listen to your stories, said Derek. Oh, yes, of course, said Nanny Pickens. But this is a story from the ancient Greek story days, so it's a great deal more complicated than that. When I say the story is the story of Hercules and the golden apples, it's not actually about apples. Is it about Hercules? asked Michael. Oh, yes, it's definitely him, said Nanny Pickens. But you have to understand it. The ancient Greek story days were a really, really, really long time ago. 2,500 years ago, in fact. And the dear ancient Greeks, they were lovely people. A tad violent for my taste, but lovely people. They were, however, living at a time before the modern classification of plants as we know today existed. Huh? said Michael. No scientist had gone around and botanically classified all the plants and given them proper names yet, said Nanny Piggins. That didn't happen for another 2,300 years when a Swedish scientist called Linnaeus decided to give everything Latin names that describe their biological families. Oh, said Derek. He was still confused, but he was hoping Nanny Piggins would soon skip past this factual accuracy bit and get to the Greek mythology bit with all the violence. The golden apples in the story of Hercules and the golden apples were, in fact, lemons, said Nanny Piggins. Wow, plot twist, said Michael. You see, they called lemons Hesperides apples back in the ancient Greek story days. And since the ancient Greek stories were all written in ancient Greek, you can see how something like that would lead to a translation error. It actually makes sense when you think about it, because apples are not golden. But you get golden delicious apples at the supermarket, said Samantha. Yes, but they're green, Nanny Piggins pointed out. According to Greek mythology, the golden apples grown in the Hesperides garden were what caused the golden glow of the sky at sunset. And it makes a lot more sense for a lemon to cause the golden glow of sunset than an apple. It doesn't really make a great deal of sense either way, said Derek, to think that a piece of fruit causes the sunset. Well, yes, agreed Nanny Piggins, but as I say, modern science had not been invented yet. Not even ancient Greek science had been invented yet, which was very good. We all know about Archimedes in the bathtub, but the ancient Greek stories are even older than Archimedes and his bathtub. They come from a time before science, when people did think fruit could cause a sunset. And I must say, anyone who has ever had a really good lemon tart would think that it was created by a great power controlling all that is magical in the universe. So in fact, it makes complete sense to think that sunsets were caused by lemon tarts, because really, they are delicious. Mmm, said the children. Now they were just thinking of lemon tarts. Nanny Piggins made really delicious lemon tarts. She would pipe the children's names on the top of the tarts in dark chocolate. Sometimes she would make up extra middle names for them so that the piping could be extra long and they'd get more chocolate. Last time she'd made lemon tarts, she had renamed Samantha. Samantha Esmeralda Buttercup Sagittarius Benedictine Affogato Scuttlebutt Cardiopulmonary Green. And she'd had to make an extra large tart for all that writing to fit. Gosh, now we have to whip up some lemon tarts before we begin. Forty-five minutes later, the children were all snuggled around Nanny Piggins on the couch, a family-sized lemon tart in each of their laps, with the Declaration of Independence piped in chocolate on the top. So finally, Nanny Piggins could begin her tale. As you know, the wicked king Eurystheus had given Hercules ten labours, otherwise known as the labours of Hercules. 
Hercules was honour-bound to complete all these tasks because of something wicked he had done earlier, which involved killing. So we won't go into it now because it's nasty. Anyway, Hercules was really sorry, so he dutifully performed the tasks. It took him over eight years to get all ten tasks done. But we also know King Eurystheus was deeply wicked. He couldn't believe Hercules had survived one task, let alone all ten. Also, he enjoyed torturing his rival. So when Hercules finished the tenth labour successfully, Eurystheus announced that two of the labours didn't count. He said cleaning the Aegean stables didn't count because Hercules had accepted payment from the Aegean king. And he said cutting the head off the Hydra didn't count because Hercules was offside. He was offside, asked Derek. Have you been watching soccer on the television again? So what if I have, asked Nanny Piggins. I don't understand the game at all. They spend 90 minutes kicking the ball back and forth to each other. Why don't they just kick it in the goal? We know, Nanny Piggins, said Samantha, comforting her nanny. Nanny Piggins always got upset when they accidentally found themselves watching soccer on the television. Nanny Piggins felt all organised sport was ridiculous, but a sport that involved so few goals struck Nanny Piggins as a terrible way for 22 men to waste their time when they could be at home baking cakes. Anyway, King Eurystheus said, cutting the heads off the Hydra didn't count for some ridiculously pedantic rule I can't remember, but was as equally hard to follow as the offside rule in soccer. So Hercules had two more labours to perform. Well, surely Hercules could have just told him to get stuffed, said Michael. A normal man would, agreed Nanny Piggins, but Hercules was not a normal man. He was a great lummox. Not good at reasoned argument at all. He was 90% muscle and 100% pride. So in total, he was 190%? Is that possible? asked Derek. It is if you're a half-god in the ancient Greek story days, said Nanny Piggins. You're not trying to apply reason and mathematical facts to my story, are you, Derek? Oh, no, of course not, Nanny Piggins, said Derek. So... As I was saying, being a great prideful lummox, said Nanny Piggins, when King Eurystheus announced two more labours, Hercules said, fine, whatever, bring it on, I'll do them. Now, luckily for Hercules, my distant relative, his niece, Iolus Piggins, travelled everywhere with him, continued Nanny Piggins. The family insisted on it because they all knew what a lummox Hercules was. Hang on, said Samantha. If you're related to Iolus and Hercules was Iolus's uncle, does that mean that you are related to Hercules? And if so, was Hercules a pig? No, not at all. Our family does not acknowledge any genetic or adopted relationship to him, said Nanny Piggins. Although now you mention it, there is a touch of the Bramwell to him. But, began Derek, are you about to apply reason to my narrative? asked Nanny Piggins. Um, said Derek. Stop it, said Nanny Piggins. You are still a child, Derek. Enjoy it while you can. Reality will come to get you soon enough. Don't rush forward to meet it. Okay, said Derek. So, King Eurystheus said Hercules had to do two more tasks, and his eleventh labour was to fetch three golden apples from the Garden of the Hesperides. Well, that doesn't sound too hard, said Derek. No one knew where the garden was, said Nanny Piggins. Ah, said Derek, that does make it harder. But they did know the apples were guarded by the Hesperides. Well, who are they? asked Samantha. Sunset nymphs, said Nanny Piggins. Whoa, said Michael. I knew the ancient Greeks had wood nymphs and water nymphs. 
I didn't know they had sunset nymphs as well. Oh, of course, said Nanny Piggins. The ancient Greeks were very wise people. They never let common sense or logic interfere with their storytelling. She glared at Derek as she said this. So they could come up with any type of nymph their story needed, and ancient Greek children had the good sense not to ask follow-up questions. There was another stern look for Derek here. So anyway, apart from taking care of the sunset, these nymphs also guarded the apples, which were, we know, really lemons that caused the sunset. And it was Hercules' job to steal three, even though he had no idea where they were or how to fight a sunset nymph or overcome a dragon. A dragon, said Michael. When did a dragon get into the story? Oh, there was a dragon in the orchard too, said Nanny Piggins. When you've got a lemon tree with magical lemons that makes the eater immortal, you're going to need to protect it with a bit more than a few nymphs. Nymphs are lovely, but they do like to dance around and sing, and they're forever being chased about by gods like Zeus, so it makes sense to have a really mean dragon there as well. So, Hercules set off, and being a great prideful lummox, he didn't ask anyone for directions. He just started walking. He just started walking? Not in any particular direction, asked Derek. No, because this was the ancient Greek story days, and geography hadn't been invented yet either, explained Nanny Piggins. They thought that the whole of the world was land surrounded by a great winding sea. I think Hercules thought that if he walked for long enough, he'd just come to the orchard eventually. He did know it was at the edge of the world, so he knew he had to walk a long way to get there. So he just started walking a long way. Hercules walked out of Greece, across Egypt, and all the way to Asia. Wow, that is a long walk, said Michael. Of course, he had many adventures along the way, which in Hercules' life meant killing people, and eventually, after a couple of years of walking, Iolus was starting to get blisters on her trotters. So that night at dinner, she made a suggestion. Hey, Hercules, we've been walking for a couple of years now, and we haven't come across the Garden of the Hesperides, so why don't we stop walking and ask someone for directions? Oh, I don't want to do that, said Hercules. I would look like an idiot to ask for directions. Okay, said Iolus, I I hear you, I understand your concern, but I have another very real concern. Everyone may already think you're an idiot because you spent two years walking around the Middle East and Asia with no idea where you're going. But who would know how to get to the garden, said Hercules. This is the ancient Greek story days. The land is full of nothing but peasants. How would a peasant know the location of a garden of the gods? Okay, that is a good point, said Iolus, but the gods have many relatives. We also know that the orchard is at the edge of the world, which means it's by the sea. So why don't we ask a sea god? Oh, Poseidon, asked Hercules. No, he's a bit grumpy, said Iolus. Let's ask the old man of the sea. All right, I shall, said Hercules. And being a man of action, he strode straight over the hill, down the beach and into the sea. Iolus hurried after him. Hey, you don't know what he looks like. The old man of the sea is a shapeshifter. Then he could look like anything in the sea, said Hercules, wading into the water. I shall not rest until I have questioned every object in the sea with which Hercules plunged his hand into the sea and pulled up a clump of seaweed. "'Are you the old man of the sea?' demanded Hercules. "'I command thee, reveal yourself!' The seaweed did nothing. Hercules shrugged, tossed the seaweed away, and tried again. He plunged his hand into the water and pulled out a seashell. 
Are you the old man of the sea? I command thee, reveal yourself! Blast off with Space Vacation the Musical as the Bloom family from the bright yellow planet takes a wild, weird, and wonderful intergalactic summer vacation. With original songs and stellar comedy, their trip goes delightfully haywire. Fun and adventure for all ages. Space Vacation the Musical on all podcast platforms now. Subscribe today. The seashell did nothing. I always felt sorry for her lummox of an uncle. You can't pull every object out of the sea. The sea is unimaginably large. I am Hercules, said Hercules. I shall perform this labour if it takes a thousand lifetimes. Iolus rolled her eyes and seriously considered going back to the beach to fetch Hercules' great club so she could bash her uncle over his head herself. Hercules was still plunging his hand into the sea and pulling out objects. He pulled out a rock. Are you the old man of the sea? If so, reveal yourself, he commanded. And suddenly... The rock in his hand let out a huge and it transformed into a fully grown, naked old man with a giant fishtail for legs. You mean like a mermaid, asked Michael. Exactly like a mermaid, said Nanny Piggins, except old and a man. Hercules had to grab him tightly because he was so slippery like a fish. Ha ha, I have captured you, exclaimed Hercules. I don't believe that worked, said Iolus. Old man, tell me where the garden of the Hesperides is, demanded Hercules. No, cried the old man of the sea. And another giant, he suddenly transformed into an octopus and he tried to writhe his way out of Hercules' grip. But Hercules held fast. Thou shalt not evade me, for I am Hercules, son of Zeus. The old man of the sea transformed into a huge, great white shark. Then I'll eat your face off, said the old man of the sea. Thou shalt not, said Hercules, bopping the old man of the sea on his snout. Ow, said the old man of the sea, grabbing his nose with his hands. He transformed back into his merman form now. Could you please just tell him, asked Iolus, so we can all get on with our lives? All right, fine, said the old man of the sea. I don't know why he couldn't just say please in the first place. I'm an old man, you know. I don't like wrestling. The garden's at the edge of the earth. We know that, but which edge? In which country? asked Iolus. It's in Morocco, in North Africa, on the slopes of the Atlas Mountains, said the old man of the sea. But that's just the other side of the Mediterranean from Greece, exclaimed Iolus. We walked all the way to Asia for nothing? Now we've got to walk all the way back. Oh, it hasn't been for nothing, said Hercules. We've seen some really lovely landscape, got lots of fresh air, wrestled some men to death. I've enjoyed the walk. Ugh, let's just go back, said Iolus. And so they set off walking, all the way back through Asia, Egypt, and all the way into Greece. And when they were passing through Greece, they were walking along a clifftop, when who should they bump into but... Santa Claus, guessed Michael. Santa Claus? He's from the ancient Yule story days. This is ancient Greece. Sorry, I was getting my ancient story days confused. To be fair, said Derek, they are confusing. True, that agreed Nanny Piggins. No, they stumbled across Prometheus. 
Okay, we have no idea who that is, said Samantha. Oh dear, said Nanny Piggins. I'll have to come back to that one. It's a good story. But we don't want to get sidetracked now. The long and the short of it is, Prometheus was a titan. When humans were invented, he really liked them. I think much the same way humans really like playing with Barbie dolls and Power Rangers. Anyway, Prometheus liked humans so much, he wanted to give them a present. So he gave them the gift of fire, which was very helpful for cake baking. But when Zeus found out, he was really cross. And as we know, Zeus did have an anger management problem and inappropriate punishment issues as well. He punished Prometheus by forcing him to spend all eternity chained to a cliff face where every day a monstrous great eagle would fly down and pick out his liver. Gross, said the children, which was horrifically painful. Then that night his liver would grow back and the next day the eagle would come back and peck it out all over again, day after day until the end of time. Wow, Zeus had a really sick imagination, said Derek. Yes, unfortunately, psychiatry hadn't been invented yet either, said Nanny Piggins. Zeus certainly could have done with lying on a couch and talking through his childhood traumas. So anyway, back to the story. Hercules and Iolus were walking along the clifftops when they heard horrific screams of pain. Now, Hercules may have been a great lummox, but he was also a hero. He loved doing heroic things, and he was really good at it too. So when he heard screams of pain, Hercules rushed towards the sound to see if he could help. When he saw a monstrous eagle viciously tearing out Prometheus's internal organs, Hercules didn't think twice. He rarely thought once, so this was no hardship. He raised his club and with one swipe bashed the eagle to death. Prometheus couldn't believe it. You slew the eagle sent to punish me. Then Hercules bashed the chains that held Prometheus to the cliff face and freed him. You have saved me from an eternity of torture, said Prometheus. How can I repay you? Oh, I'm all good, said Hercules. Actually, you can help us, Mr. Prometheus, sir, said Iolus. Um, we're on our way to the Garden of the Hesperides to uh, borrow three apples. Being a titan and having untold wisdom and being on first names basis with all the gods, do you have any advice on how exactly we could do that? Hmm, said Prometheus. Oh, it's all right, said Hercules. I was just planning to bash the dragon on the head. Oh, you can't bash a dragon on the head, said Prometheus. Bashing only makes them grow stronger. And we still need to get past the sunset nymph, said Iolus. Well, can't I bash them on the head too, asked Hercules. No, said Iolus firmly. What you need, said Prometheus, is to get someone the nymphs and the dragon trust and get them to pick the apples for you. Well, who would that be, asked Hercules. Atlas, said Prometheus. You mean the god who holds up the sky, asked Iolus. Yes, he's right there by the garden, said Prometheus. He stands on the highest peak of the Atlas Mountains and holds the sky on his back. The orchard is on the slopes below. The Hesperides are his daughters. They'd totally trust him if he picked a few apples. You know they're lemons, by the way. Yes, we know. Well, I know. Hercules is still a bit confused, said Iolus. But be warned. Atlas will try to trick you, said Prometheus. Like me, he has been cursed to an eternal labor, holding up the great weight of the sky. If you free him so he can pick the apples, he will not want to return to his servitude. 
What, not even if I bash him? asked Hercules. No, you will have to trick him, said Prometheus, and Atlas can be very tricky himself, so you will need to be trickier. Oh dear, said Hercules, I'm much better at bashing than tricking. We'll sort something out, said Iolus. So they waved goodbye to Prometheus, bought a boat and sailed across the Mediterranean to North Africa, then hiked up into the Atlas Mountains. On the way, they passed by the beautiful garden of the Hesperides and saw the sunset nymphs dancing and singing around the tree with the golden apples slash lemons. They also saw the most bloodthirsty, vicious dragon with huge teeth and fire for breath ever chained to the base of the tree. Hercules and Iolus kept climbing the mountain until they reached the highest peak, and there they found Atlas, and he looked absolutely miserable. He was bent over with the full weight of the sky held upon his back. Yoo-hoo, said Hercules. Atlas looked up awkwardly. He couldn't move his head much because of the sky weighing him down. He had to sort of raise an eyebrow and look up with his eye. Ugh, what do you want, grumbled Atlas. Oh, just a favour, said Hercules. King Eurystheus has sent me to fetch three apples from the garden of the Hesperides. I wouldn't dream of going down there and bashing them over the head to make them give them to me, and bashing the dragon laden would only make him stronger, and I'm not really good at anything other than bashing. So I was wondering, could you... Pull, prompted Iolus. Pull, said Hercules. Pull, pull, Sorry, this word is so hard for me to say, said Hercules. Could you please go and do it for me, said Hercules. No, said Atlas. Why not? I gotta hold up the sky, you great lummox, or the sky will come crashing down and squash everyone. Oh, that would be bad. Hey, what if I held the sky for you while you went and got the apples? Atlas glanced at Hercules. It is heavy, you know. I'm the strongest man on earth, said Hercules. I'm the son of Zeus. I'm strong enough to do anything. Oh, it would be nice to have a break, said Atlas. I haven't stood upright in millennia. All right, I'll do it. So Atlas passed the sky over to Hercules, and it was incredibly heavy. But Hercules was incredibly strong, and by gritting his teeth and straining his muscles, he was able to hold the sky aloft. Atlas wiggled about for a bit and enjoyed his freedom. So uh, you're going to go fetch the apples then? asked Iolus. Oh, yeah, right, said Atlas. He jogged down the mountainside to the garden. Oh, how long do you think you'll be? asked Hercules. Oh, I'm sure you'll be quick as a wink, said Iolus, feeling no certainty at all. But Atlas did return, and he was carrying three apples. Oh, at last, said Hercules. After ten years of labour, I have the apples slash lemons, and I shall be able to hand them to King Eurystheus and complete my labour. But Atlas stopped short a few metres away. Or I could return them to King Eurystheus, then I could get the credit and the king's favours, while you stay here holding up the sky, and I can live my life as a free god. But we had a deal, said Hercules. But I'm a Greek god in the ancient Greek story days, said Atlas. We never play fair. You tricked me, said Hercules. Yes, I did, said Atlas. See ya, sucker. Okay, okay, you got him fair and square. Well, really unfair and square, said Iolus. But Hercules is an honourable man, so he will stay here and hold up the sky doing your eternal job for you. 
But he didn't realise he was going to have to stand there that long. If he had, he would have folded his cloak up on his shoulders to make a nice cushion for the sky. So could you just hold the sky for a moment while Hercules sorts out his cloak? Then he can take the sky back and hold it for all eternity without getting sore shoulders. Oh, sure, said Atlas. I know how that feels. I had a grain of sand in under my toga for the first 300 years I was holding the sky, scratching at my skin before I was able to dig it out with a stick. So Atlas handed Iolus the apples slash lemons and took back the sky for a moment. Hercules stepped away and started to rearrange his cloak. Run, cried Iolus, grabbing Hercules by the arm and pulling him away. What, said Hercules. Run, cried Iolus. We tricked him. Let's get out of here. But my honour, said Hercules. Iolus rolled her eyes. You can't lose honour on a deal negotiated by someone who just reneged on their honour. Huh? said Hercules. He tricked you, said Iolus. Therefore, it's fine for you to trick him back. Oh, cool, said Hercules. And they both took off running all the way back to Greece before anyone else could try to kill them. Atlas did hurl abuse at them as loudly as he could, which they could hear all the way back to the sea. When Hercules returned to the palace, King Eurystheus was dumbfounded. He thought the task was impossible, and now he had three of the golden apples slash lemons from the garden of the Hesperides. Each one, if eaten, could make a man immortal. He could eat all three and be immortal three times over. King Eurystheus was just about to take a bite when Hercules snatched the fruit back. Oh, no, you can't do that. What? It's mine. You fetched it for me. That was your labour. And I performed the labour. I fetched three apples slash lemons. But it was not part of the labour to allow you to eat them. Those apples are stolen property. They were stolen from the Hesperides. And it's wrong to steal from ladies. So I, as a man of honour, shall return them. You're going all the way back to North Africa to put back the apples slash lemons? I wouldn't want the ladies to think I was rude, said Hercules. And that is what he did. The end. Time for bed. So they were never made into a lemon tart, asked Samantha. Oh, they were, said Nanny Piggins. You can't stick fruit back on a tree, can you? But Hercules did return them to the Hesperides, and they baked them into a lemon tart, which they fed to their father, Atlas, partly to cheer him up about carrying the weight of the world, but mainly because if he had something in his mouth, he might stop whinging for five minutes. So they all lived happily ever after. The end. Oh my goodness, all that storytelling has made me hungry for more lemon tart. First one to the kitchen gets to lick the wooden spoon. So they all took off running. The end. And that is the end of the story. So that's it for now. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>